0: So let's get up on our feet.
1: Without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the way, from the throne of endless glory, to a grave. today that you would use us,
2: that we would be willing and open. We would say yes to you, whatever the circumstance. We pray for this morning, for the message we're going to hear, for your word going out
3: to us, that it would uh, resonate with our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 6.30
1: to 8.30 as we take three
3: NBSM events and roll it into one for one awesome evening. Here's Zeb to tell you more. All together, end of summer barbecue, classic. Me and Rob love that one. Our last Alive in the Park parking lot edition with one another,
0: and we're going to be celebrating the incoming 6th graders and the incoming freshmen as they enter into their new community. Um, if you are visiting us for the first time in person or online, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, as some of you may have noticed, normally, uh, if you've been here more than once, you know that I have a co-worker that normally joins me up here for announcements. Um, and the reason he's not here is because he has a special announcement of his own. Um, him and Amanda welcomed their new son, Jackson, um, into the world. Yes. Yes. He is so adorable. Um, Yeah, so they are enjoying Northview as a family of three for the first time at home. Um, And so as a Northview family, we're just so excited for them and this new phase of life. So yeah, awesome. All right, well, another reminder, um, if you have children that are anywhere from pre-K to fifth grade, we have a kids online experience that they can do on our website. If you just go to, um, there's a button actually on the front page, or you can go to ministries and then kids, and then they can access all of the online content for them right on there. Other than that, um, we have our tithe, which um, for those of you that have been here in person, you know that we are not passing the buckets, um, but we have opportunities to give online. Um, You can also mail in if you would like, and we also have offering boxes in the back if you prefer that. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started um, with the rest of our Sunday morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for that incredible reminder, God, that um, we really do only have one life, Lord, and only the things that are done for you will last We pray this morning and um, for the rest of our week, God, that you would use us for your glory. We love you, and in your name, amen.
3: All right, good morning, everybody. I'm trying to get a few things right here. Okay, So, you know, uh, one of the things Hey, welcome here Welcome watching and viewing Um, It's easy to imagine With the COVID, uh, you know, that whole 19 thing, restrictions, that There's really been nothing happening here At the church, and uh, That we've kind of just been quiet, but that's Far from true, and I I just Want to praise our our board And our staff, they have done a great Job over the last five months And, uh, yeah, they really have And, um And you as a church, both here and watching, viewing, have been spectacular as well. Uh, It has been an amazing season. So a couple things, Uh, just because we haven't been together doesn't mean that we haven't been active. Uh, It's been an amazing spring and summer. And as you've seen, there's a lot of change, right? So we have some arrivals, but we're also gonna have some departures. And uh, this morning, uh, I'm gonna have Craig and Jennifer Bowman come up. And family, if you're coming, who's coming? The whole posse? The Bowman clan all right there, it's all cleaned off for you there see like that but uh, they're gonna be moving the Lord has issued a new chapter in their life and they've been a part of us for a long time and I wanted them to be able to tell you what has happened
2: and where they're going Great, thank you um, yeah I think it's really hard and emotional because we've been here so long we moved to Seattle 21 years ago when we were pregnant with Samuel on the end there and um, started coming to Northview in 2005 uh, when Megan was a baby, and have been involved uh, with the church in a lot of different ways. And I think that comes to mind is uh, just the opportunities that God gave us to serve, uh, be in community, and be blessed, but also to bless others. Um, you know, we raised our kids here, and God has uh, built relationship, I think, is probably the most important thing. So each of us up here, even though we're a family, we each have individual relationships with a ton of people here and have been able to serve and be blessed by a lot of people here. So God opened up a door in Omaha, Nebraska. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so we have all They'll lived... need prayer for that one. <laughs> we have all lived on the West Coast our whole lives, and it was a huge change, but it was really clear to us, like a total wide-open mm-hmm. heavens, a clear path for us to go there. And so this is our last Sunday that we'll all be here together, but we'll, we won't fully move until mid-late September. And then, you know, probably the biggest blessing has been the community that we've built, especially we, we both have been involved in different Bible studies. And the community group we've had the last couple of years has been really special. And, you know, bring us together, I think, uh, as a couple and uh, just connect to the church. So we're really thankful for everything. Okay. Yeah.
3: Let's stand and let's pray for them, all right? Lord, thank you. Craig's right. Our our kids grew up here together, and uh, they've been a huge part of of what you've done here, and part of the texture and fabric of what we know as Northview. And Lord, we're so grateful for them. And Lord, we want to be able to send them off with a blessing. We want them to go with honor. We want them to go uh, with goodwill. We want them to know that your hand is upon them, and that we send them um, with open hearts, Lord. And we pray. Uh, right now that you will give them a good home church they'll connect with quickly that will be home and uh, Lord we seek you for that and we get asked all the details the packing the traveling we seek you for that <clears throat> Lord and we pray that they will be a blessing to the new church family and uh, bless Craig in this new job opportunity and uh, Christian Corporation Lord uh, may, may he be an equal contributor for that and so Thank you. Thank you for them this morning, and we give that to you in your name. Amen. Let's give them a hand, all right? Uh, Why I think that's important, just a little caveat, so often when people leave, they just disappear, right? Or you think that it has to be bad for someone to leave, and a lot of times it can be very good. Uh, There are seasons to ministry, there are seasons to church life, and uh, we have to maximize those because you never know how long those are for, all right? And so to be able to say goodbye, to let them, let you know they're leaving, that you can call or text them and get a hold of them, uh, really is part so that there isn't just this weird vacuum, like what happened to those people, you know, kind of thing. So blessings, guys, I'm going to miss you terribly. the second thing we want to cover this morning before we get it, there's lots of stuff, but uh, it's also been very active with Move the Mountain. So uh, we we got the loan, paid off in spectacular fashion. Wasn't that incredible? And that's, yeah, give the Lord a hand. That's, that's really something. I mean, I gotta tell you, I've never quite seen something like that before, so that's exciting. Uh, we paid off 403000 in, in less than a year and a half, and now we're building that fund, there's 51,000 in there already, and we haven't even hit the October yet, which is the year mark for the actual campaign, uh, and, and so um, we said that the, the three things would be uh, that we'd move forward to, one is to purchase our building, the second one is to plant a church, and the third one is, uh, what is it called, ministry growth, with as a euphemism for, we're going to replace Steve down the road because the parts are wearing out, all right, so that's, that's what that one is, all right, but uh, we said when we did this, remember we said we did not know how God would roll this out. We didn't know if it would go one at a time or all three at the same time or that kind of stuff. And uh, but that we would we'd fund the we fund the fund by faith, and then we would just see what we trust God for the results. Uh, so thanks for your gifts and thanks for how that's building. Stay faithful to that. And by the way, if you're new to Northview and uh, either here or viewing, uh, and uh, you weren't here when this all began, uh, you certainly can jump in and join us. We'd be glad to have your help. Just email or call us. We'd be glad to uh, show you how to plug in. Uh, many hands make light work, right? And uh, if all of us pull together, it goes very quick. I've said many times, if we all gave what Jesus asked us to give, we'd have more than enough to do for what he's asked us to do. And and I believe that saying with all my heart. That, it's a great way to say it. But I believe that with all my heart. Uh, not and again, it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. Someone who's giving five bucks may be giving just as much as someone throws five hundred in the plate, right? But the point is, both of them have to give for us to get there. Does that make sense? Everybody's got to pull their piece, and so uh, that's really important. And seasons come and go with giving too, right? So that that really matters. Uh, it's not the amount that counts as much as the heart behind the gift that matters to God. Um, So the question then is, okay, what are you leading up to? What does that have to do with this morning? Well, um, we believe God may have dropped one of the pieces for Move the Mountain in Place. Uh, Up on the screen, you're going to see a picture of John and Jessica Clements. Many of you know them. Uh, John participates in the worship team. Uh, Jessica helps Kayla, well, did upstairs with the kiddos, and uh, they've been a part of community group here. So Uh, They've been here about the last year and a half, two years, and um, just really a good part of our community. And uh, what you may not know is that God put a call on John's heart to plant a church years ago when he didn't even know what church planting was, right? So he got this message, plant a church. He's like, "Uh, what's that, right? So he's been stumbling around trying to figure out how do you do this church plant thing, and uh, they have quite a story. You'll have to ask them if you get a chance. Uh, but John kept asking questions, and people told him, well, you got to go talk to Steve Mitchells, right? And uh, so John came here through Phil Wagner, his friendship with Phil. and uh, And so we've been meeting over the last year, just walking through the ins and outs of church planning. And then as we met, I said, well, one of the people you're going to have to meet with is Pastor Jan. So... I set a lunch up with him and Pastor Jan and they went out and had lunch together and Jan heads up the uh, church planning arm of the North Sound Network and so that was important and then I set him up with uh, Pastor Nate, Jan's son who's our district exec uh, here so that Nate could get a chance to sound John out and and get to know him and so they did that and then um, Lastly, I we just recently had John and Jessica meet with our board and sit down and talk to our board and say, "Tell us about this. How did you get in this? What's your you know? What are you aiming at? What do you think it's going to look like? You know, Jessica, where are you with this?" And uh, it was really a great meeting. Uh, and so, as a result of those three meetings, uh, next week, uh, not this week, but the 25th to the 28th, uh, we're sending John and Jessica to the uh, converged. Church Planning Assessment. That's a mouthful, right? The Converged Church Planning Assessment, which is actually going to be held at our daughter church, Bethany, in Puyallup, right? So it's not far away, which is really cool. Uh, we told them, hey, nobody's going to go to Orlando right now, right? So can we do it here? And, uh, and so they're doing one here, right? They started out, they had eight couples. They now have 18 couples that are coming to this assessment. So it's turned into a big a big thing. John and Jessica are going to go there. So they will be there Tuesday, August 25th to Friday, August 28th. If you can mark that down, put that in your calendars and, and pray for them, that would be great. The assessment team will come back with a recommendation. And if favorable, we will begin the process of launching Northwind Community Church. All right. Now, you might think, oh, they just hived off of that name. Northwind is actually the street that John grew up on as a kid. Can you believe that? So he's got a quite a story to that, and uh, you can you can ask him about that. But uh, we will lo- seek to launch them just like Northview was launched 21 years ago. All right, So it should be pretty exciting. Uh, Northwind will be here in the local area. Uh, we just don't know where yet. And so a couple things. Number one... As friends and family, uh, would you pray for them? I mean, you can imagine what that would be like if you had to go through that, right? And uh, so could, could we put them on our prayer list and stuff, and, and could we uh, pray for them as they attend the assessment? And then here's the kicker. There's always a kicker in announcements, right? Here's the kicker. If the assessment's favorable, John is going to need a team. There are going to be people that need to go with him. And who's on the team will be up to the Holy Spirit... But you need to know that I'm letting God know that He has freedom to rumble among us and pick any that He so chooses. All right, and that includes you here this morning. That includes you watching. Yes, no, you didn't get out of it. Nice try. Okay. Um, and so, there's a lot more to this. We'll uh, we'll give more uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, we need to get to the message. So uh, let's pray this morning, and then we'll walk back into our series on truth versus lies. Father in heaven, thank you. This is exciting. We pray for the Bowmans. Lord, we thank you for all the years together. We pray for them that you will uh, just walk with them as they go. And they will see your hand clearly imprinted on their steps. And they will have great joy and great testimony over that. Lord, we also seek you uh, for John and Jessica. We ask, Lord, for your favor towards them. We ask that you would highlight uh, whatever strengths or weaknesses are there that we will know how to work best with them. And Lord, we seek you for that already ahead of time. As you're working, we ask, how do you want that to roll up? And we, we seek you for leading us in that. And we ask for that as well. And then, Lord, this morning for the message, we seek you. We've, uh, the series has been good. You've spoken to people. People have heard you. And so we ask that you would continue that. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. Right, so you're going to need your Bibles this morning. So whether you're here, whether you've got your Bible, you've got your phone, if you're watching this morning, please uh, you know, go grab your Bibles and look. Um, we'll start the first two out normal, and then the rest we're going to kind of go through. So we set the, the foundation for today's message back when we looked at the messages, the two messages on God's steadfast love, his hesed love for us. And uh, just a reminder, you can go to our website, you can download those previous messages, and uh, you can look at them uh, if you want to catch up with us. But if you remember, Israel was mandated that as a nation, they had to appear before God three times each year. The first time, uh, these three mandatory feasts, the first was the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The second was the Feast of Weeks, Shabbat which we also know as Pentecost, right? That shows up in the the New Testament. And then the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And what we said back in those messages is that the first thing David did was he just collected a whole bunch of talented um, writers and musicians around him. And around these national gatherings, what he did was he built songs uh, that they sang. Much like we sing our national anthem, they would sing these psalms. <clears throat> and 1 um, Chronicles 16 records this. In, uh, first, uh, in verse 1, it says, And they brought the ark of God, and they set it inside the tent. And this would be in Jerusalem, that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. So originally the ark was in a tent, but then we know later Solomon went up this, right? And he built a temple for them. <clears throat> and then on the walls... They would stand and play this music, right, as people were walking up and they were coming to it. And the theme of it was, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. That was true then, it's true today, right now. Amen? Amen. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. That's what he was keeping in front of them as a reminder. And we said that, you know, through this music, they were able to memorize all this scripture. Very much like we do today. And uh, so it was a cool thing. They knew all the same songs. And again, for a culture that mostly wasn't literate, this was genius, right? Because it got them all on the same page during these feasts. Question is, well, how, how did that actually work? Remember, we talked about, uh, we used Mill Creek as an example. And we said that Mill Creek itself, if you go out here, is built on a hill, right? And at the top of the hill is the Mill Creek Golf and Country Club. And uh, many of us know where that is. We've either played there or driven by there. We've seen it before, right? So we know what we're talking about. And and we said, imagine instead of the Mill Creek Golf and Country Club being up there, up on the top of that hill in Mill Creek is Solomon's Temple. Wouldn't that be pretty cool, right? Solomon's Temple's there, and all the trees are cut down. So as you're looking at Mill Creek and you look up at the hill, you can see that temple at the top of the hill. And three times a year, the shofars begin to blow, and everybody knows, "Ho, it's time. And people come out of their cul-de-sacs and out of their house and out of their neighborhoods, and they start moving on all different sides of Mill Creek, heading up to the top. And while they're doing that, they begin to sing these songs. And as they head up, the question is, well, what were they actually singing? What they're actually singing is Psalms 120 to 134. Those are the psalms that they sang as they head up the hill. And everybody knew those songs by heart. And so they would be singing. And at first, right, if you were doing that, you could hear yourself sing and maybe your family. And then a couple neighbors join and you're singing together. And then as you come on the main road, uh, you know, more people join in. You're all singing together. But as you come up to the top of the hill, all those directions are coming together. And pretty soon, you start to hear all these voices, right? Can you imagine one to three million people singing all that together in unison as they're coming? The, the musicians and uh, cymbal players are all on the walls of the temple and they're singing these psalms. That's what it would have been like. I imagine that probably would have resonated quite, quite a ways. When they get to the top of the hill, then they began to sing the great Hillel, which is Psalms 135 and 136. Uh, And we we walk through that. So again, you can go back to that message. But before you get to the top of the hill, here's the point. Before you hit that crescendo moment there, right, uh, of what's happening. As you sit at the base and you move up, they're singing these psalms, 120 and 134. And these psalms are, are designed to help them get focused right. See, they they weren't very spiritual back then and they had a hard time with distractions and things like that because they lived in a really technological society. And so they couldn't keep their focus very well and so God needed to do something that would help them stay focused on him. Oh no, that's us. Okay, right? But you get the point, right? They had as much problem with distraction as we do. It doesn't matter. And so... This is what the whole orchestrated event was designed for. Last week we looked at Ethan the Ezraite, and the whole theme was keep your faith on the Lord no matter what. This week we're looking, at the theme will complement, the theme is keep looking up to him. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. When you get distracted and looking away, keep, go right back up. All right. Um, and that's what these events were designed to do. They were designed to recalibrate. Right? To get people to recalibrate, to recenter on their relationship with Yahweh as they were moving towards the temple. Because they knew they had to be clean in heart to go into the temple. You don't just sashay into the temple whatever. Okay, If you were dirty, if you had sinned, if you were polluted, you needed to get that right. Uh, because they lived in the very real fear that if you went in crooked, you could die in the temple. All right? And so... Uh, That was uh, something that was a strong motivation to recalibrate for them. It was a reminder for them to re anchor uh, as to who and what their first love really was and should be. And, you know, if you think about that, that's exactly the same today, right? That's why we come to church, is all together corporately to remind ourselves to stay anchored in Jesus, to stay anchored in the faith. Yes, there's lots of things pulling away. Yes, there's a lot of distractions. Yes, there's a lot of stuff that can take you out. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's, uh, it's designed to do the exact same thing. Um, If if he's not our first love, then we have to recalibrate. That's called repentance. I use a different word because if I said repentance, you just check out right away, right? But if we talk about recalibrating, right, we get that. We understand what it's like to recalibrate our computers. We understand what it's like to recalibrate our phones. There's updates all the time, right? Why are there updates? To keep it functioning right. And so likewise, we need to keep updating uh, in terms of our focus when it comes to the Lord. We have to, really, when it comes to that, we have to admit we haven't put them first. It's highly likely that some of you sitting here this morning and some watching today did not have a grounded week in the Lord. You meant to, you started, and whoosh! And the next thing you know, it's Sunday, you went, uh, church, yeah. Get them, okay? You know you're off, right? And, and that's what this was designed to do, is say, hey, bring it back together. We have to admit that and just turn it, turn it back around. It's wise, if you think about it, uh, that you do that before you get to church. Kind of hard to do it when you're sitting here, Right? And that's what we find Israel doing. They're getting right with God as they head towards the temple. And so this is just an incredible picture. These songs, these psalms, help them get into right alignment. Uh, We would call it a right mindset, all right? So we've already looked at the great Hillel this morning. Let's look at the psalms that they were singing. Because one of the questions is, well, okay, if those are so important, what were they actually singing, right? What was it that God used to set them to get the right mindset as they headed up. So we're going to wing through a lot of this. But just so you know, here's some background on these psalms before we get started. Uh, They're they're composed of 15 psalms total. Four of them, Psalms 122, 124, 131, and 133, are linked in their ascriptions to David. Uh, Also, Psalm 120 is suspected of David as well. One Psalm 127 is ascribed to Solomon. Three of them 131, 133, and 134 are three verses each. Oh good, we'll get through those quick. All right. One, uh, Psalm 132, is 18 verses. So that's the longest of them. And so there's these pocket mini phrases that they would sing out as they were heading up the hill. So let's take a look at them and see what they're singing. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 120. And it says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord... And he answered me, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? What more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon had a commentary on this one, and it was fun reading up on, on it, uh, what he did with it. But uh, he was taking this back to the days of Saul. Right? So we're in the era of David, but he took it back to the days of Saul. And if you remember, Saul was trying to kill David, and David fled. And in one of the series where he fled, he left Jerusalem, and then he stopped at Abimelech, the priest. And when he was there, he got some bread, some show offering bread that he wasn't technically supposed to eat for he and his men. And then he got Goliath's sword, right? And then he took off. And while he was there with Abimelech, there was a guy named Doeg the Edomite. And the Edomites were the sworn enemies of Israel. And Doeg was one of the chief shepherds of King Saul. And so Doeg sees what's happening. He runs back to Saul and tells Saul what's going on and that Abimelech has helped David. Abimelech is called into Saul's presence and he says, what are you doing betraying me? And he says, well, I've never betrayed you. I'm an honest man. How many times have you sent David to me and I've had to pray for him or send him off on some mission? Uh, This is exactly what's always happened. Why are you upset? And Saul said, no, you're crooked. And so uh, he wanted his men to kill Abimelech, but none of his men would pull up the sword because he was the priest. And so they're all standing there like, you're asking us to kill the priest, right? Um, And they were like, they wouldn't do it. So you know who ended up doing it? Doeg the Edomite, okay? And Doeg is a picture of a person who's the enemy of God's people and enemy of of King David. And so in this picture, as they come, Spurgeon says that it reminded Israel um, of Being loyal to your king, and the fact that uh, Doeg uh, that uh, David was for peace, but Saul and Doeg as his proxy um, were were for war. It's a reminder Israel uh, not to be treacherous to their to their king, right? And boy, when we talk about lying tongues, isn't that true today? We just live in a crazy culture. Everything is being. You know, lies are being passed as truths and truths are being passed as lies and everything's getting flipped and we're living in a day where everything kind of seems to be upside down and we have to remind ourselves of this important truth. Why, as Christians, shouldn't we lie? And the reason why we shouldn't lie is because God doesn't lie. That was a lesson my friend taught his children and it's good for us as adults. Why shouldn't we lie? Because God doesn't lie. God is not about lies and... We have to fight for truth, even in a culture of lies. Uh, the lies around the psalmist were causing great consternation and heartache. You can, you can read it in there. And I just thought, funny how things don't change, right? God is asking, David's asking God to wipe out the lies, and more importantly, to wipe out lying lips. Let's look at the next psalm, Psalm 121. This is really famous, and you'll instantly recognize it. Right? I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Literally, if you think about it, when they were walking up to Jerusalem, they had to walk up this big mountain hill thing. And so literally, uh, their eyes were lifted up. They had to look up. And the question is, where does my help come from? Well, my help comes from the top of that hill. What's at the top of the hill? The temple. Who's in the temple? The living presence of God. That's where my help comes from. My help comes from Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. God is always alert and aware. They never have to worry. Why? Because he never sleeps. And this was to remind them that God sees. And I think that's really good for this morning, is a reminder. God sees. He sees in the present circumstances. He knows what's going on. We have to remind ourselves of that. That he never sleeps. That he won't allow your foot to be moved. He'll keep the boundaries intact. Um, The next part of that psalm is verses 5 through 8. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you from going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is a reminder to Israel that God is faithful and that God is their keeper. He's their protection. He's the one that will hold them. He's watching every path. And, and again, we know this song, right? As a, as a song. I lift my eyes up unto the heavens. Where does my help come from? Right, we know that. We sing that song. That song is 3,000 years old and we're still singing it today. Right? It's just really amazing. Just a reminder that God was not just their protector. He's our protector. Not anything or anybody else is greater than him. And so they were reminding themselves uh, that as they head up there. Look at Psalm 122. We'll go through the rest of these rather quickly. I just wanted to give you a flavor for it. But look at 122. You only have uh, nine verses. The first two, just raw excitement about going to Jerusalem, right? You, you, the famous Jewish cant is what? Next year in Jerusalem, right? And the idea was, it was exciting. It was like going on vacation. It was like going to Disneyland. Let's go to Jerusalem, right? It was just the hallmark of anybody's experience in Israel. Verses 3 to 5 was the majesty and the glory of the city of Jerusalem. With, of course, the focal point being that incredible temple that Solomon had built. And then verses 6 to 9 were prayers for the peace of Jerusalem. God Please protect your temple, protect your city, protect your people, all right? Look at Psalm 123, verses one and two. It says, we lift our eyes up like a servant looks to their master. Why would that be important to say? Because that's telling them to remind themselves that God is God and they're not. That they are the servants, God is the king. And to keep that order right, right? Too often we get, uh, you know, what I call big-pants syndrome, right? You ever started to tell God how he better do it or how he better get something going or how he better, right? And we start ordering him around. They sang this song to remind themselves, oh, we're the servant in this picture. He's the master. That was was what that was all about. Verses 3 to 4, Lord, have mercy because we're suffering from contempt and scorn from your enemies. Have mercy on us. And that's our prayer today. Lord, have mercy. Help us as a church because there's a lot of scorn and contempt for your church today. Look at Psalm 124. Verses 1 through 5. It starts out like this. If it hadn't been for the Lord, and if we were to put that in English, if it hadn't been for the Lord, we'd be toast. (laughs) Doesn't say. That's Mitchell's revised translation, right? Okay. If it hadn't been for the Lord, we'd be toast. And... You got to know this church. Over the last two thousand years, if it had not been for the Lord and the protection of the Holy Spirit, the church would have been toast a long time ago. It, it, there's numerous places. If if you've ever read church history, the church barely made it through an era. We are not the first generation to face that, and therefore, because we're not the first generation, the truth holds for us as well. If it hadn't been for the Lord, there would be no Northview Community Church, right? If you know our history, you would know that right now. If it hadn't been for the Lord, most of us would have never met. If it hadn't been for the Lord, uh, do you see how that, if it hadn't been for the Lord, we really would have nothing, right? We don't have the stuff we have because almost everything we've gotten has come from the Lord. And so the reality is they are reminding themselves, hey, we're a nation, we've got all this stuff, but let's go back to square one. Let's go back to first base. What's first base if it hadn't? Been for the Lord. That's important. The second uh, verses there, you see, verses six through seven, what does it say? And because of that, because of the Lord, we've escaped. We've managed to make it to the next step because the Lord allowed us escape. It looked like doom. It looked like curtains, like over, like we're done. And then God brought us through. All right? And we have stories like that. Many churches have stories like that. Many people have stories like that. Because of the Lord, we have escaped. Anybody got a story like that? Right? Look at the heads. But yeah, look around the room. Okay, home. How about you guys, right? That's, that's a common one. And then verses 6 through 7. Oh, I'm sorry. Because of the Lord, we escaped. Verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And what's the underline? What's the epitaph there again? Who made heaven and earth. Right? They always come back to the reason we can count on the Lord is because he's the guy who made all this. He's the guy who made the heavens. He's the guy who made the earth. So when it's 95 or 98 today, make sure you praise. Don't grumble. Northwest wimps, okay? Let's go here. It's God who made the heavens and the earth. And they reminded themselves. Look at Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. Those who trust in the Lord will not be moved. Which is kind of funny because we sing that song I will not be shaken. Which is hilarious because we're shaken like everything. We shake like popularly. (laughs) Right? But in the Lord, if the Holy Spirit strengthens us, we won't be shaken. We won't be moved. Verse 3. Wickedness will not overcome the righteous. Maybe in the short run. But in the long run, righteousness is always going to win. And that's why you stay righteous even though it looks like you're losing. Because God promises that. And then verse 4. God will do good to the upright in heart, but those who turn aside will be led away. Teenagers, this is a, one where one of the big lies is: is you watch your friends doing sinful things and think, well, there's nothing happened to them. They didn't blow up into a puddle of jello. They didn't, you know, gone. Uh, as a matter of fact, not only did they seem to be getting away, but they seem to be having fun, and they seem to actually be prospering in it. Maybe I better go and do that stuff too. God points out for any of us sitting here. I mentioned teenagers, but for any of us sitting here this morning, righteousness, the upright in heart, is what is going to last. Those who turn aside to evil are going to be led astray. And you find that all through scripture. right? But it's a long-term proposition, not a short-term proposition. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is pleasurable for a moment, but it quickly uh, deteriorates into trouble and it quickly deteriorates into calamity it quickly deteriorates into destruction if you don't think so just walk around mill creek and look at some of the the tickers walking around right the meth people and see what doing meth does to you after a couple years that's just tweakers that's the word i had the wrong word tweakers there we go sorry about that well see it's live now and i can't cover up my mistakes anymore so You're going to have to live with it. All right, let's go on to uh, Psalm 126, verse 1 through 3. We're filled with joy when God restores us. That was true for them as they, isn't that true for us? Right? Like when that loan got paid off, weren't we astonished and weren't we thrilled with what God did among us? Like, wow! We've seen God do a lot of that kind of stuff. We were filled with joy when God restored us. Laugh like crazy. We were so full of joy. Verse 4 through 6, you brought us back. God, restore our fortunes. That's what Israel is saying as a nation, right? You brought us back now. Don't just let us sit here. Restore us. Restore us as a nation. And that's what we've been crying out to God uh, is restore us as a church. Put us back in the place where the church has some effect and impact on the culture. God, restore us as a church. Look at verse Psalm 127. Famous one. Written by Solomon, which is rather ironic, don't you think? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Okay. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor to build it labor in vain. You know, If you're spending all your life to build your castle, and you don't have the Lord a part of it, and you've amassed your fortune, and you've amassed your toys, and you've amassed your stuff, you're a very sad person because that stuff can be gone like this. And I have dozens of stories that could illustrate that. If you put your trust in things, things can be taken very quickly. Relationship from the Lord can't be taken. And that's why, why do you think Solomon wrote that? Because he understood at the end, he probably threw his own house out the window and probably wasn't going to be able, his sons probably weren't going to be able to recover from what he did, which proved to be eminently true. Verse 2, why wear yourself out and be full of anxiety? Anybody recognize that today? Anybody thinking you can change your circumstances if you're just more anxious about it and God will see your anxiety and he'll change it because he'll he'll see how anxious you are? Right? Common. I mean, all of us fall prey to that. And then verses 3 to 5, something that's radically, radically countercultural. Children are a blessing. Okay? By the way, here at Northview, children are a blessing. They are our treasure. That's why we take care of them. That's why we have children's programs. That's why we have youth programs. Because they are our treasure. And families know, you take care of my treasure, I like you. And that's why families come. Because we take care of their treasure. Why? Because children are a blessing and children are a gift from the Lord. And that, our culture, there are more, I don't know if you know this statistic, there are more dogs per capita in the city of Seattle than there are children. Did you know that? We treat dogs better than we treat children in our culture. Nothing wrong with treating your dog right. We have a puppy. Jojo's cute. We We treat her well. But you shouldn't treat dogs better than you treat children. And here, the radical, for our culture, children are a blessing. Look at Psalm 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Okay? That's why we gather. Why? We are the, the group that has chosen to fear the Lord. We've said, you know, we know all the options out there. We're not going to do that. We're going to fear Jesus. We're going to make him our great fear. We're going to make him our respect and our honor. He's the one we're going to give attention to. And that, they, they were singing that same thing 3,000 years ago as they went up that hill heading towards the temple. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. Verses 3 to 4. If you fear the Lord, your family will be blessed. Moms, dads, this is for us, right? By the way, kids know if we're faking it. Far more in parenting is caught than taught. They know where your heart's at. They know if you're really anchored. They know if you're playing it clean or dirty. They pick up on it. And, and they they resonate with it. One, I've said many times, one of the things that most Christian couples mismanage and they underestimate they do not take care of the anger issue at home. And because they don't take care of the anger issue at home, their kids are not impressed when they smile at church. And by the time they hit teenage years, they go, you know, I've seen your Jesus, I want nothing to do with him. Yeah, that's a sobering thought, isn't it? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. If you fear the Lord, your family will be blessed. Then verses 5 through 6. May the blessing come from Zion. Where does it come from? For them it came from the temple. For us it comes from the the risen and resurrected presence of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Psalm 129. Greatly have we been afflicted. All was not good for Israel. All didn't always go the way they wanted it to be. When they remember their history, they're going, man, we've gotten our butts kicked bad numerous times. We have really been afflicted. It has really cost us. And so they remind that. Verses 4 through 8. May the Lord wipe out the wicked like dry grass. Now that's appropriate for right now. Have any of you smelled fall in the weather already? The leaves are turning and you get that dry grass smell. How fast does dry grass burn? Anybody watch the California fire right now? It went from uh, five acres to 500 acres in two hours, and then it went from 500 acres to 10,000 acres in two days. That's how fast dry grass burns. By the way, praise God we live in Seattle and it rains here, okay? Don't grumble when it rains. That's why we're not like California, all right? Lord, wipe out the wicked like dry grass. Look at Psalm 130. Please listen to my cry for mercy. This is one all of us can relate to. Dear God, please listen to my cry for mercy. I'm not making it. I can't see my way through. I need your help. That is as old as man, right? And then verses 3 to 4 are really powerful. God, if you were to mark iniquities, who could stand? You know, if we're really going to go face to face, if we're going to go tick for tack, if we're going to really mark things, if if you're going to mark iniquities, God, who can stand before you? And the answer is, eh, nobody. Okay? We may be very impressed with each other. We may be able to you know, pull things off with each other. But when it comes to standing in front of God, if God decides to mark iniquities, none of us stand. By the way, that's what makes the cross good news, people. Why is it good news? Because you can stand before the living God because of what Jesus has done for us. And you don't have to get tacked for your iniquities. Because if you did, you're done. Right? And they understood this 3,000 years ago. Verses 5 through 6 I wait for the Lord. This is contentment. This is patience. This is endurance. We know those things. Right? Verse 7 and 8 Hope in the Lord, for with him is steadfast love and forgiveness of, again, what's the word there? Iniquities. Isaiah says, our iniquities have separated us from our God. What is iniquity? That's kind of one of those big, you know, $50 words that we, yeah, yeah, yeah," but we don't really know what it means. Let me give you a a modern English translation of iniquities. Okay, here's iniquity in in our culture. Iniquity is this. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And nobody's going to tell me I can't, I don't care if it's my mom or dad, I don't care if it's my teacher, I don't care if it's my boss, I don't care if it's a policeman or a cop, I don't care if it's God himself. No one's telling me what to do, that's iniquity. That's why God always went after Israel as a stiff necked and stubborn people, because he said they had a spirit of iniquity on them. Of course, that only applies to Israel and not to America, so we're good. You can laugh behind your mask. There we go. Look at Psalm 131. Don't get involved in things too big for you. God, I content myself with what you've given me to work with. Work on. Rest. Verse 2. Rest and trust in the Lord. Have you been able to rest during COVID? Have you been able to trust during COVID? You know, that's one of the lessons we're learning is we've had it good for a long time. And it uh in My old English, it ain't so good right now. Right? Have we been able to rest? And have we been able to trust? And then verse three, hope in the Lord forever. How long do I have to hope for? Forever. Do I get to quit just as it gets hard? No. Hope forever. Right? They're singing this as they go up to the temple. Can you see how this would reset a nation? Can you see how it reset their focus? It's incredible. Look at Psalm 132. Verse 1, Remember David and his desire to build your temple. God remembers heart. Remember what he wanted to do. Remember what he wanted to build. God, verses 6-10, Manifest your presence. Not just stuff, but God... uh, Often I pray for God's manifest presence for us. And what I mean by that is that we would know Jesus is among us, not just Steve's among us. If Steve's among us, we're most sorry and lamentable of all people. If I'm all you got... Man, there's a lot better shows in town, okay? There's a lot better preachers than even me. But if we've got God's manifest presence among us, now that's a different game, right? We got something that you can't buy. That's what's really important. Verses 11 and 12, God's promise that David would always have a man on a throne. That is one of the greatest promises in the history of the world. And then 13 through 18, God has chosen Zion and will clothe her with righteousness. Don't ever think God has done with Israel. Don't ever think that was a long time ago and there's nothing going on right now and he's never going to use Israel again. God has not forgotten Israel. Track everything. That is the most important piece of real estate. That little postage stamp of a country is the most important piece of real estate on the planet. Scripture says it is the apple of God's eye meaning his eyes are upon it always. It's his favorite place. And as Israel goes, so the world goes. Okay? If you're into prophecy, you know that. All right. Psalm 133. This one we blow by, we, we whatever, right? Because it's a, like you know, oil running down on Aaron's beard. We're like, well, that's kind of creepy sounding. Like, what's that all about? You know? hot and sticky I don't want oil on me that's gross what is that suntan lotion or what no no this is talking about how the priests would be anointed for service to the Lord and what's the refrain there how awesome is unity why would that little psalm look at it it's almost nothing there it's just three verses why would that psalm have such a big impact on them because they were fractured internally as a nation there were twelve tribes Okay, if you have 12 brothers, how well do they all get along together? Anybody read Israel's history? Right? They fought. They fought in terms Who's the biggest? Who's the best? Who's the baddest? Who's the most important? Ha, da, 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 da. Right? And when they were singing this, they were coming up to the temple, they were reminded: hey, unity is really the big factor. We've got to stay united, and it is one of the most wonderful blessings. And of course, in Israel. As soon as Solomon was gone, Rehoboam, his son, came. And what happened? Right? It got ruptured and the country got ripped in two. Verse 134, verses 1 through 3. Bless the Lord. By the way, isn't that the purpose of church? To bless the Lord? It's not about us getting blessed. It's not about my needs getting... But we've so flipped that around that it's all about us. It's not about us. It's about him. You know, he's listening this morning, right? And we are here to bless him. We are here to bring him joy. And he gets great joy when his children do that. And so from these Psalms, then they go on to the great Hillel. And the theme of that, what was the theme again of the great Hillel? For he is good, and what? His steadfast love endures forever. So as you can see, this was a really powerful object lesson. You might say, oh... Man, that was so cool how God did that. I wish He'd do something like that for us. Then I could stay focused and then I would, I'd be able to track. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. If you haven't listened to any of this and you were kind of half falling asleep all that, going, okay, it's still making sense, let this part make sense, right? Catch on to this. We do, church. He gave us an object lesson, one even more powerful. Than the temple. Do you remember Matthew 12? They were talking and they were challenging Jesus. And Jesus says, Have you not read the law on how the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and guiltless? They were upset because the disciples were eating grain with unwashed hands on the Sabbath, and so far they were breaking the Sabbath. And he said, They remain guiltless. He says, I tell you, he's saying this to the religion, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. What was Jesus saying? You're looking at someone who's greater than the temple. He's given us something greater than the temple. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That means my sins, that means your sins. Okay, And let's get real with that. If we were to lay those all out here and you could come up and read them, it would be a pretty ugly mess. Right? But Jesus died on that cross. And he hung there to pay a penalty that we can't pay. It's far greater than the temple. It's the very person of God. And from that cross hanging, Jesus said this. Look, you can trust me. I not I don't have a hidden agenda here. I'm not running. uh, I'm playing not playing cards from the bottom of the deck. Not getting something out of this. I'm up here for you. You can trust me. Will you submit to me? Right. That was the whole issue for Israel. It's the whole issue for us. Will you submit for me? And then of course there's the other side of this picture, which is the open tomb, which means that when he resurrected. It was a permanent deal. He's now there, Paul tells us, at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Do you know that Jesus prays for you? That he knows you by name and that he's praying for you? That changes it from a religious thing I have to do to a relational thing I get to do. Holy cow, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my ally. Jesus knows me by name. What if you woke up on Monday morning and got up and you first thought when you looked at the sun, you're going, oh my, week!" And go. You know what though? Jesus knows me by name. That's a powerful, powerful thought. Where's the culture going? We don't know. But I'll guarantee you, we're going to hit some of the same things that the the Jewish community hit as they were walking up the temple. When they walked up to the temple, it wasn't always good. They sang these songs so they could get back on track. They were trying to stay focused on... They're object lessons just like we try to stay focused on ours. And I boiled this down. If someone were to challenge me uh, for what I stood for, I would tell them, I'm a believer and a follower in the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. I believe on his death on the cross, and I believe on his resurrection from the tomb. I am a believer in and a follower of the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe the Bible is the word of God. I'm a believer in and a follower of the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that the Bible is the word of God. That's how I try to stay on track. That's how I try to stay on focus. Those object lessons are for us to stay on focus just like the temple was for Israel to stay on focus. Those songs kept them on target. They sang those songs three times every year as they headed up to the tower. You think... By the time you're 60 years old, you kind of have those memorized and know what they meant and be able to look through life screen on that. Yeah, they would. Just like as we read through scripture, you get older, you start going, that's what that means. Ah. Oh. Okay. So church, the goal is this morning, keep your eyes on him. Don't get distracted. Don't get discouraged. Don't get thrown off target. Keep your eyes on him. Let's pray for that. Father, Uh, We know in our own strength, uh, we go sideways so quickly. But we do have the hope. We do have great confidence in you and your ability to keep us on track and your ability to help us. And Lord, this morning we pray you would help us as a church, both present and viewing, that you would help us keep our eyes on you, that you would help us stay focused, that we would stay focused on your death on the cross, your resurrection, that means you're here. And that we run our day like that. We open the day, we open the week up for what you are going to do. And we ask you to be with us and we ask you to bless us and we ask that we might represent you well. Lord, that's so easy to lose in our culture right now. It's so easy to be full of worry. So easy to be swallowed up by anxiety. Help us, Lord, to stay focused on you. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and
1: stand up and worship one last song together.
3: Absolutely beautiful end song. we we'll wrap that up with a bow. Father, may you be in our minds like that. May you be with us in your presence. May we give that to you this week. Lord, may we find ourselves eagerly seeking you in prayer, your word, because we get to, not because we have to. And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. Again, we'd like to add. thanks for coming this morning. Good to see you. Say hi to everybody. Would you please do us a favor again and walk out these Back doors here because we've sanitized everything, so uh, we can come in for second service. So if you can go out these back two doors,
1: really help us out. All right, thank you.